Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. I'll tell you, this idea of surrender, this decision should probably, is probably the hardest and best decision someone can ever make. See, this decision has this tension in it that it's simultaneously this, this, this moment when, when you have to wrestle with. Am I going to give my life to Jesus? And surrender is never an easy thing, no matter the context, right? No matter the context. I don't care if we are playing Monopoly together. Surrender is tough. You play Monopoly before, right? And you get down to the end, and you know you're about to lose. Someone else has the most hotels and they've got the most houses, but you're holding on a little bit. You've got Boardwalk and Park Place. You're like, just land on it and change everything. I am not surrendering until I absolutely have to. That's Pastor Scott, right? Surrendering is not easy. You've experienced surrendering not be e- being easy if you're married, and you're having a discussion, an argument with your spouse, right? And you're on two sides of the argument. It's hard, even in the moment when you know that you're wrong, to surrender to the point you say, okay, you're right, you got me. It's hard because we've got this pride inside of us. We've got this thing inside us that doesn't matter what the context is, that it's hard to surrender. It's hard to surrender because we have this survival instinct inside of us. We have this something inside of us that keeps wanting to fight. But when done fully, when done the right way, This decision to surrender should both excite us and give us a little bit of fear. Because surrendering your life means that you have decided to give up control of your present and the future. You've decided the control is not in your hands anymore. See, we're going to continue this series of conversations we've been having. We're in week three of a series we're titled, See, Feel, and Act. And this conversation, if you've not been part of it yet, is a simple conversation, but it's about a big thing. It's about our relationship with God and how this is supposed to play out. It's essentially an invitation for you. It's an invitation for you to, to not settle with the remaining days you have in your life is to look at our lives and say, we only have so much time. How are we going to spend it? See, when Jesus was asked what was most important, his answer was very simple and concise. If you remember this, we've talked about it. He said, what's most important is to love God and to love your neighbor. And what we see throughout Jesus' life is he believed this. He lived this out. And so our conversation is simply, how do we live the way Jesus lived? And so this third week is um, the third part of the conversation of that first part of Jesus answering. How do we love God the best way possible? 
If he says that's the most important thing in life, how do we love God the best way possible? And I told you the first week, you can't love God until you see the truth about who he is, what he's done, and what he's continued to do. But when that happens, something shifts inside of us. Something shifts in our minds, something shifts in our heart. When we see the truth of God's love, God's forgiveness, God's greatness, God's power, God's care for us, what is supposed to happen, what I believe happens, is we begin to feel a passion for God in a way that we have never felt before. Now, I want to talk about passion again for a second. Because we're going to talk about, uh, in these first parts, we're going to come back to passion a lot. And when we think of passion, many times our definition is kind of a, a spontaneous reaction, an outward expression because of a moment that happens. And sometimes it works that way. But I'll tell you, passion, especially sustained passion, is really seen. Really seen when something becomes a priority. And because of it, life change, decisions happen. Now, we experience this in our life outside of Christianity. We experience the idea when we see something, it changes about how we live. You see this in, 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 in simple ways. You see this in, let's say, food we eat. You ever thought about this before? When you see the truth of how food is made, where it comes from, the beginning to the end, sometimes we see it and we're like... Oh my goodness, I will never eat that again. Right? When you see the truth about it, oh my, but sometimes when you see it, you go, wow, that's really good for me. It changes. When we see the truth about something, it changes how we interact with it. We see this with businesses. You do this all the time. You look at behind the scenes, kind of behind the curtain, and you see how a business is run, and sometimes you see this and you're like, I don't think I'll ever buy anything from them ever again. You've done this, right? But then other times you're like, I love that about them. And they become the company that you go to. You love how they do things. We do this all the time. When we see the truth about something, we can become passionate about it. It happens in skills or hobbies sometimes. We're like, I never tried something before, and I think I'll try it. And when you see it, sometimes you go, I'm really good at this. Like, and it begins to consume parts of your life. Then other times you're like, this is terrible. This is the worst idea ever. And you go the other way. This is how life works. You see something it does something to you, and it changes how you live. This is the way it happens with God as well. This is why in See, Feel, Act, we're talking about this concept. When we see the truth about God, what happens is we'll feel a passion for God. And then we get to the third part, is that we then will act in surrender to God. We see the truth about God. We'll feel a passion for God, and we will act in surrender to God. I've experienced this in my life. The more I know God, the more I see how he works, I become more passionate about him. The older I get, the more experience I have with him. This is how it is. The more you see the greatness of God, something has happened in me, and I become more and more passionate about who God is. And I'll tell you, the more passionate I am for him, the more, willing I'm the more willing I am to give my life over to him. This is the way it works. 
This is how your life works in everything. The things you're most passionate about in life are the things you give your best and most to. You want to know what you're passionate about? What do you give yourself mostly to? And this is why we need to talk about see, feel, and act, how we love God. Now, at the beginning of the series, um, I, I, I told you the place that I see how this play out um, in the most obvious way, in the most real way, the one that I hope that you can relate to the most. And how we saw that was through the Apostle Paul, okay? We saw from the very beginning that Paul was against this movement of Jesus, and he's on his way to a town called Damascus, and he's going there to kill Christians. And in a moment, a light shines, and he... He becomes blind, and he hears the voice of God. And in this moment, he sees who God is. And the moment Paul sees, it changes something about him. A new vision of God changes how he's, he operates in life forever. As he sees God, his passions and life direction turn. And what we see is this starts in the first chapter of Luke chapter 9. In the first part of the book of Acts, I'm sorry, in Luke chapter 9, we see this moment with um, Paul. But his story doesn't end with this moment. What we see is his life continues. And Paul's moment of seeing the truth about God being passionate and life change isn't just one worship experience, isn't just a spontaneous moment. He begins to live out what happens when you see God in a new way. When you begin to feel passion for God in a new way. What we see in Paul's life is he gives his life completely to God. He surrenders it. So what I want to show you today is what does that actually look like? Like, Scott, I get it. This is pastor talk. And pastors tell me I need to love God. Pastors tell me I need to su surrender to God. But what does this look like? It's important to see this. And the reason I choose Paul is because he's a real person that came into this real world in real time. He just came before you and we have his story written down. But he is as real as you and I are. And so after he surrenders his life to Jesus, this is what his life looked like. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, Except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I preach the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. You know what Paul is saying? I don't know what's ahead of me, but I surrender anyway. I don't know what comes tomorrow, but I surrender anyway. But this isn't the only time he talks about this. Philippians chapter 1 letter to the church he says and I want you to know my dear brothers and sisters 
that everything that has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard. So where is he? It's in prison. Everyone, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. What does this tell us about Paul's life? He knows that to follow Jesus will not always be easy, but he surrenders anyway. His story continues, verse 21. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. The desire to depart and be with Christ, which, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. God, I want to go be with you. I want to be in heaven with you. The greatest thing that ever happened to me is to go and be, but you have more for me on this earth to do, so I'll surrender. And in Galatians 2.20, says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no, long, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do nothing on my own. That's what it means to find yourself in Christ. And I will surrender to that. These are just little pieces that are plucked out of Paul's life, his words to the church, his words to people, his words to us. This is what a surrendered life looks like. It's not just a word that pastors say from stage. It's just not a word maybe you heard growing up. It is a real life thing that these are snippets that come out of his life and say this is what it looks like. Looks like. Paul's life wasn't perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. Throughout his letters, you'll see him write about his struggles, his physical struggles, emotional struggles, spiritual struggles. He has them, which needs to be a thing that we see because it reminds us that surrendering your life to God isn't about living the perfect life. Surrendering your life is saying my life is not my own anymore. This is what it's about. Because surrendering is never a halfway thing. Surrendering never looks like this. Hey, Jesus, I'm going to give you 60% of my life. And I want you to know that's more than I give anywhere else. It's more than half. I'm going to give you 60% of my life. It's the majority of my life. Here's the problem. Jesus never asks for the majority of your life. Loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength means we surrender completely. We have somehow confused or lied to ourselves that 
majority surrender is enough. A lot of surrender is enough. But when we see in Scripture, we see the story of Paul and how he walks this out. God is not looking for majority. When we see the truth about God, when we feel a passion for God, it ends up in acting as surrender. Surrender is you get everything. This is how life is to be lived. And Paul gives us an incredible picture. It's not that we don't need forgiveness anymore. It's not that now we're going to live this perfect life. We always will need forgiveness, and forgiveness is always there on the other side of repentance like we talked last week, but it's about our intent. It's about our intent. What are we saying? What are we saying to God when we say, I give you my life? Now, this series, while I've been using the example of Paul, this is not about Paul. I mean, Paul says in in one of his letters, he says, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. But the end game is always to see how Jesus lived. That the point of this is we want to become more like Jesus every day. That we want to see, feel, and act more like Jesus. This is our calling. We can't forget 1 John 2, 6, where it says, whoever says they live in Christ must live as he lived. This is the ultimate calling for our life. So I want us to leave Paul... And I want us to go to Jesus. But see, Jesus knew who the Father was. Jesus saw who God the Father was. We talked about this, John 14. The Father and I are one. Because Jesus saw that, knew that, he had a passion for God. John 5 tells us that he only does what he sees the Father is doing. Because he was passionate, not about his own thing. He was passionate about the work of God. That's what he wanted to do which led to only one thing. There's only one thing that Jesus could do once he saw greatness of God and passion begin to fill his heart. He had to surrender everything. And we see Jesus' surrendering moment in Matthew chapter 26. Now, Every couple of years, if you're part of One Hope, you know that we go to Israel. I take people to Israel every couple of years. And one of the biggest moments that we have is um, on the day we get in the bus and we go to, and we're in Jerusalem, and we go to the top of the Mount of Olives. We're up there and we're looking over Jerusalem. We're looking in those places where Scripture tells us that Jesus wept over Jerusalem. This is where we are. We're looking over it. We're, we're seeing this amazing city. But when we're done that, we begin to make our way down Mount of Olives to the bottom. And when we get to the bottom, do you know what awaits us? The Garden of Gethsemane. And that day is so great because we get to have a conversation of why this place is so important. As we see these olive trees and we see the actual place that Jesus was, we get to have the conversation to say, what happened in Jesus in this moment? We see in the garden maybe one of the most human moments that Jesus ever had. Jesus had desires. Jesus has wants. Remember, he is God, but he's human. He has his own thoughts. But the problem was, in the garden, his desires, his wants come into clash with the plans of 
God the Father for his life. And what we have in Matthew 26 is we see what happens when both of these things clash. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to him, said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now going a little further, he fell and his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible, then you take this cup me yet not as I will but as you will Matthew 26 shows us the moment that Jesus surrendered that Jesus knows what it's like to not want to feel pain of this world Jesus knows what it's like to not want to do those hard things that you know you're supposed to do, but you don't want to do. But Jesus knew who the Father was. Jesus was passionate about the Father. And so, Jesus sets an example for how life is to be lived. And Jesus lets his actions speak louder than any sermon he could ever say. He acts in surrender completely. We see it in Paul's life. Someone just like us. We see it in Jesus. And it comes a point for everyone in our lives where we're going to have to decide what is the most important thing. We're going to have to decide how we're going to live these final days of our lives, whatever we have left. And if we're going to love God the way Jesus says we need to, it's going to put us in a place where we say, okay, I surrender. Okay, I surrender. It's like when we look back at Luke, and not the book of Acts, but in his gospel, and he's telling people, hey, if you want to live, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're going to have to die. If you want to find real life, you're going to have to be like that seed that falls from the plant and it dies and goes into the ground and then it finds new life again. If you want life, death has to happen. Surrender is a moment of death that every one of us has to experience. But the thing is about life, it's not just a moment. Surrender is not just uh, a one-time thing. Surrender is a way of life. This is how we are to live as followers of Jesus. This is the calling we have. And I'll tell you, every single one of you in this room, people who are listening and watching, we all have something that we're holding on to that we need to let go so it can die, so new life can be experienced. For some of you, this is a past thing that you've got to let go 
and allow God to work in you. For some of you, this is a habit. This is um, anger. This is um, an attitude. This is a thing that in your mind, this is how my life should go. And you need to let go of that dream so that God can say, no, I've got more for you. For some of you, the first surrender has to be just your life. That you really haven't given your life to Jesus. You come to church. You know about Jesus. But you haven't given your life. And Jesus is here. Jesus is here saying, I am surrendering my life. Are you going to follow suit? I have surrendered my life. Are you going to follow in my footsteps? This is what he did when he's in that moment with them having communion. And you'll have a moment during worship to grab if you didn't grab it on the way in. But this is what he did. He looks at his disciples and the conversation he's having with them, he says, hey, you got to remember what I did. Because I'm giving my body, it's going to be broken. I'm giving my blood that's going to flow out. I'm giving my life to you, and you need to remember this because it's important to remember. Here's the reason. If we forget what Jesus did, then we won't remember what we're supposed to do ourselves. And the road to new life for you was given through Jesus saying, I surrender. Some of us want what Jesus has for us without walking the life that Jesus walked. We want the byproduct of life without giving life. And I think Scripture calls us to say, hey, there's new life waiting for you. Jesus has more for you. There's only one way you can get it. You can't buy it. You can't act your way into it. You can't convince him. There's one route. It's the one that's the scariest, but also the best. It's the one that's the best decision in your life, but it should put fear in you because it's giving up control of your present and your future but it's found in accepting what Jesus did and saying, that's how I'm going to live. So, we're going to end in worship as we do, but we're, how we're going to do communion today is it's going to be on your timing. Because I want you to have a conversation with God. Is there anything in your life that you haven't surrendered to Him? Remembering that as we surrender to him, it's always for our good. God is always working for our good. But you've got to come to the place where say, I'll let go. Is there something? Is there some things? Or maybe today you've never given your life to Jesus. And he died for you. He gave his life for you. And maybe today's the moment you do like these three people that did today and say, God, I surrender my life to you. I'm dead to myself and alive in you. And this is a hard decision, but it's the best one you can make. 
So you can turn your seat into an altar. There's always altars up here. But after you've had this conversation with Jesus, I invite you, take communion. Take communion. Remember what he did. But I'm going to encourage you, don't remember what he did without saying, I will do it too. So Heavenly Father, you see your people today. God, you love us. You've given yourself to us. And God, I say this morning, will you bring conviction in our life in a good way, where we see those areas in our lives that we have not surrendered, and it's, 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 it's not for our good. We hold on to things we shouldn't hold on, but we want the life you have for us. So will you speak to us specifically? And God, may we respond by saying, I surrender. I don't know what's coming for me tomorrow, but I surrender. I know life following you isn't always easy, but I surrender. God, that I'm going to give you all of it, not just a percentage. So God, I believe your Holy Spirit can speak more powerful than anything I can say. So will you speak to your people today, and may we respond accordingly. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.